Good morning and welcome to Score Values on 670 The Score. I'm Adam Staczynski. Coming up on this week's show, a Chicago Bears beat writer who was at the Highland Park 4th of July parade discusses his experience and gun violence in America. Plus, a festival in the West Loop this weekend is raising money for a local organization that provides substance use and mental health services in the community. The shooting at a 4th of July parade at Highland Park this last week left many once again discussing the use of guns and their place in America. Kevin Fishbane, who covers the Bears for The Athletic, was at the parade. He spoke with the scores Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel about his experience and gun violence in the country. Kevin, glad you and your family are safe, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Danny. Obviously, uh, we're, we're very fortunate. So just let us, I mean, you know, personalizing this from someone who people know of you who was there is at least somewhat therapeutic and cathartic. What, what was yesterday like for you? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in Highland Park. I, uh, uh, you know, after I went to college, I still coached baseball in Highland Park up until two years ago, wearing my Giants hat now for anybody watching on Switch, on Twitch, excuse me. And the parade, my parents and I went to it all the time. Um, so when my son, you know, he's going to be two in August, I thought it'd be such a fun thing to take him to, um, you know, we live, uh, uh, in a different town, but not too far and he loves cars and trucks. So I thought it'd be the perfect thing. And, uh, we got there and we're watching the parade. He gets a beach ball. We cross the street to get over to a few of our friends who are nearby. I was with my dad and my sister uh, and my son was the four of us. And then we heard a couple shots. And and you just you just don't know right away, especially it's Fourth of July. I mean, there's not gonna be fireworks at you know ten in the morning, and then you start seeing people running. And, and Danny, the the second round of shots will be kind of the indelible mark. Like that that sound uh, was so obviously not fireworks, so obviously not firecrackers. It was so obviously a gun. I mean, I'm I'm fortunate enough never heard gunshots before. Um, you know, just based on where I grew up and where I've lived and where I've been. And I understand that there's some privilege that comes with that, but I've never heard it. And um, my, I just grabbed my son out of the wagon. And we were happened to be right next to an entrance to a parking deck with the lower level. And we run in there and there weren't really cars there. So there's nowhere to hide. There was one minivan. And I just remember walking over to it thinking, well, we can't hide on either side of it. Should we hide in front of it? And I got to the front. And I see a woman and her son kneeling. Um, they were hiding there. And my dad's trying to figure out what to do. You know, we're, you know, my sister, we're all just trying to figure out. And I had parked my car in the opposite direction where the shots were firing. We hadn't heard any shots in a few minutes. And I just said, well, let's just go home. Like, we have to get out of here. And we just, we just walked to the car and just got in the car and went. And still, at that point, we really didn't know. You know, I texted my wife and told her we're fine. Shots are fired, but we're fine, and we're leaving. And you know, we're, again, we're the lucky ones. I just, uh, I told you this earlier, Danny, that we had originally parked at a spot that if we had stayed there and decided to go to the parade from that parking spot, we would have been in the exact intersection where the shooter was. We just happened to, at that moment, right after I parked, got a text from a friend. They said, "Hey, come over by the library. It's where we are." Got back in the car. Drove over there, God. Um, and uh, yeah, it was um, it's surreal. Um, you, you know, it's just it's one of those things that you, you 
it's it's too cliche even to say like you never think it's going to happen here because you, you can't think that anymore. I mean, I I don't think you could have thought that for the last 25 years, unfortunately. Um, but I will say that you know, growing up in in this area and living in this area, and you, you really do think like there's there's never there's no way that would happen there at that that kind of setting. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I will tell you that the the shots, the moment in the garage, just like not knowing what to do. Um, and then when I heard my wife's voice on the phone, um, you know, those are, those are just moments that, that we'll, we'll never forget. And we're, again, we're, we're just so fortunate that we got to have that conversation. Um, and we got to, we got to be here to, then I'm, I'm able to be here to, t- to talk to you guys about it. It's crazy, man. It's really, it's really helpful to, to hear you, but it hurts to hear you, Kevin, because, you know, we as we as hosts and listeners know your voice and know your passion, know the fun you have with the Bears, and then here you are, living living that, and it feels very very personal and very relatable. Um, being from up there, I I, I mean, are are you familiar with 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 the kid? Were you, were you did you know of the kid? The dad ran for mayor. Like, were you conscious of the family as a political presence? I'm curious about that backdrop of it, if you don't mind. Well, uh, his dad owned Bob's Deli, um, which I know I'd been to at least once or twice. But I had friends who went there religiously um, for lunch. Uh, it was just everybody kind of knew where it was um, by the Brayside uh, Metro stop. Um, I remember, I remember when, I remember when he ran for mayor. I mean, I remember that. Um, but I didn't, it, otherwise I really didn't, I didn't know the family at all. I just, I knew the, the deli that they had and then, and I knew that he ran for mayor, but that was, that was the extent of, of my knowledge. It, it, Do you know any of the victims? Um, the, uh, uh, um, sorry, Danny, the, uh, the, the young woman who, um, who's a CPS teacher, uh, I think people have probably seen the GoFundMe. Uh, who was shot in the leg? Uh, she, uh, she, uh, my my best friend's cousin, and and she was a camper of mine back when I worked at day camp years ago. Um, she and her husband and her and her father um, were all shot in the leg, and I believe she is set to undergo surgery at some point. And, and this this couple, you know, and and this is the thing about, um, you know, Highland Park's not small, but it's kind of one of those places where, like, you know you're not too many degrees away from somebody. So um, the woman, Jackie Sundheim, uh, worked at North Shore Congregation, which is a very popular synagogue. My cousin works there. I talked to a friend today who said she was on the phone with her last week for setting up, talking about a baby naming. Um, This, uh, the the tragic news we just found out a few minutes ago about the couple, I I did, I sent a few texts because the name sounded familiar. I found out she... Um, Irina um, grew up three blocks away from me and was a year ahead of me in school. Um, so, yeah, it's you know it, it's well people were when people were texting and and I, and I you know it's it's such like a it's, it's such a warm feeling that people are checking in and reaching out and a lot of people are like well are people you, everyone you know accounted for and safe I said well my family we're fortunately safe my friends who are there were safe. But it's Highland Park, like, we're going to know, like, when the names come out, we're going to know somebody, if we don't know them, we're going to know somebody who knows them. Um, and that's just, you know, it, it's, it's the reality. I mean, like, I'm watching WGN for six hours yesterday. And, you know, I see, I see Gabriella Martinez on there talking about shielding her child. And I'm like, we were in a homeroom together. 
and, and that's just, again, it's just kind of like the way the town is. Um, so yeah, it's my long way of answering it. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I do, you know, I don't have strong personal connection to a lot of people, but, but I, I, I do know several of them and, and it's just, it, you know, when, when I, I tweeted this morning, um, you know, you, I mean, we can talk about whatever you guys want to talk about, but I, I tried not to bring in the kind of the obvious um, political elements of this, but I really wanted people to know what it was like to be there. And I appreciate you guys giving me the outlet to, to do that because I think it's, it, it, it's so sickening that this happens so much that like if this, if what happened yesterday happened in 1995, and even in the early 2000s, I mean, the world would have shut down. The country would have shut down. And instead, like somebody mentioned Buffalo, and I had to take a second to remember what happened in Buffalo, uh, you know, in May. Right. Was that the grocery store one, or yeah. was it the nightclub one, or the was church. it the theater one, or was it the church one? Yeah, right. right. It's unbelievable. So we just get in the cycle, and I think we, we just find ourselves in these you know, and, and to me, there's, there shouldn't be a debate, but that's just what's happened in this country. And like, I just wish people understood what it was like to hear those shots. And like, you know, in that moment, and like I realized later on, it was nine minutes. It was really, that was, it was that quick that I was able to, from the shots fired to me getting in my car was nine minutes. Yeah. We were the lucky ones. Like there were people I know that were stuck there for hours and didn't know what to do. Um, and those nine minutes felt like an eternity. And I just like sometimes, you know, we want to, you know, be really quick to defend our, you know, you know, like defend our rights or defend this, defend that. But like, you know, these are people's people's lives who are lost, whose family members, their lives are forever altered. And, you know, the lucky ones that didn't get physically harmed. I mean, we're going to be thinking about this forever. Well, how about the, how about the rights, yeah. the rights to live like you're mm-hmm. talking about? And also, you know, for everybody, the, the right to look forward to things like this, the, the, right, the fact that you chose to try and give this moment to your son and to your family to hearken back and, and go to a parade. I mean, this, this damages that, sadly, f- forever um, for, for a lot of people. And, and, and so there's an effect that's generational in that way. And makes us all want to live our lives inside, like we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, don't don't think people in my family weren't saying, "Well, we're never taking them parade again." Right. Right. And like, you don't want it to be like that. Like, I want Highland Park to have a Fourth of July parade next year, right? Like, I want there to be, you know, um, I want uh, them. I want us to rally together as a town and and use it to honor the people and show the strength of the community. Like, you you want it to be like that, but. You know, I understand why it might not happen, why not happen for a while, why it will be very difficult for people. And I don't know when or if I could go back to one or, you know, the next time I hear fireworks, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be hard. And, you know, yeah, speaks as you mentioned, like this was just something I was talking to my my bubby today um, and she's you know, she lived in Highland Park for, um, you know, 50 plus years. And she was just, you know, obviously so saddened by everything. Uh, and she said, you know, she brought her kids. So she brought my mom to that parade. My mom brought me to that parade. And then mm-hmm. I get to be here to bring my son. Um, and, and I'm seeing neighbors. I'm seeing people I grew up with. And 
and I'm watching, watching his eyes go wide as the fire truck goes by and the sirens go off. And, um, and that's what that parade's supposed to be. Like, like to me, like, I don't get, you know, 4th of July, it's just like, to me, it's, it's baseball, barbecue, and the parade. You know, I don't like to get into the whole, you know, freedom element of it. And I think yesterday was a perfect example of why we don't, you know, it's just, it's hypocritical to do that. But like, that's what I wanted to share uh, with him. And I'm just, and I, I tweeted this and I, I, I just can't stop thinking about the fact that I'm so thankful that he's so young, that I, he just was eating his goldfish. And to him, it was just data's carrying me around town. This is fun. I'm going for a ride around town and just, you know, rushing as we could through the people to get to the car. Like he had no idea, he had no idea what was happening. And that's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't have to explain anything to him. You know, one day I will, one day I'll, I'll tell him about it, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that, you know, and, and, and again, to go back to being the, my, you know, the, we're the lucky ones. I, I can't fathom the, the, the children that are old enough to understand who watched it. Um, I know at Highland Park High School today, um, you know, my dad was there helping organize um, counseling. He said it's just been a stream of families, like families coming in and just how you have to explain something to your child. I mean, you guys, the three of us are all of an age that, you know, you know, Danny, I know you're, you're, you're older than me and, and speaks, you're only like two years older than us. Nice yeah, call. Yeah, something uh, about, love yeah. that. Yeah, approximately, love you. Approximately. And, but Danny, our lives kind of changed at Columbine, but even still like, you know, it wasn't, you know, there was, there was a change, but, um, you know, now for these kids, like their whole lives are going to be, who knows the way that these places they go that are supposed to be safe, um, you know, like it's just like, and Spiegel, you have an older kid, so it's like, it's like, you know, you let them, you, you have them go to school, you have them go to camp, you hey, have man. them go up to things. And it's like you shouldn't ever think about, you shouldn't have, like these parents should have never thought like we're going to go to this parade with our two-year-old son, and that's going to be the last time we see. The day Uvalde happened, and I went and picked up Ruben that day at school, and I'm in tears waiting to just pick him, pick up this innocent kid at a playground. Yeah, and, and Fishbane, you we're talking to Kevin Fishbane, Bears beat reporter for the Athletic, who was at the parade in Highland Park yesterday. Uh, this tweet, man, it stuck with me. Hours after I came home and hugged my wife and watched her embrace our son, she and I talked about wagon versus stroller for large events and how I went with the efficient exit strategy, just grab him and run. Then we realized how truly effed it is that we have to have that conversation. Like those types of parenting what ifs of like, what's the best exit strategy for child at parade? I don't think that's a sign of a functioning society. No, it is not. I mean, like, we're ha- like, we were legitimately having this conversation. My mother-in-law, you know, she's like, well, if you have the stroller, can you move quickly enough? And I'm, and my wife goes, well, you think about the curbs and getting around people. And I, my kid's a big kid. Um, you know, like it was one of those things too. Like, I didn't feel like I was, you're just adrenaline. Like you're just going, um, you know, and you know, we're sort of talking about, it, yeah. And then like my wife, she's like, I did some research. Like there's actually stuff out there that tells you what you're supposed to do. She's like, you did the right thing. Just grab them and, and leave. Um, but like, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be talking about that. And it's, um, you know, it, it's also just like sickening that I'm now in this um, like community of thousands and thousands of thousands of people around this country who can say like, I was at a mass shooting and like, we're the lucky ones. Cause we can, talk about it um but it does you know listen it there's no other country this happens in except for the united states of america and and we all know why it happens here and nowhere else and it's not 
mental illness. It's not video games. It's rap music. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's just so, I thought about this today too. And, and, and you guys as parents can understand too. Like at some point you're going to talk to your kids about what this epidemic hopefully was like, hopefully we were talking about it in the past tense. Like, I don't have that confidence anymore, but like I used to think one day my son's going to ask me, Oh, what was it like that? You know, if you want to go back to combine 25 years mm-hmm. of this, and I, I, I to me, and, and I, I hate, you know, I, I don't, this might sound holier than now, but I'm going to say to him like, well, we did our best to support people who were in position of power, who wanted to make it harder to get guns. That's, the best that, you know, we tried, like, that's what we wanted to do. And I just, it's hard for me to think that there is some, you know, another side to that, that like if someone will tell their son or, or grandson, like, oh, this was happening. And, and my solution was to arm everybody in the neighborhood. Uh, you know, again, and I, I want to be careful. You know, like My opinions on this are very evident that people know me. Um, and, and by the way, I'm talking, but like, just... You know, if you just think about the the fact this was a Fourth of July parade, like I said to my buddy, whose whose cousin was was shot, I said to her, I said to him, I said, could you imagine if you were sitting at the parade, and you turned to your right and you saw the person next to you, you know, was armed, and you turned to your left and you saw the person next to you was armed, like would that have made you feel safe? That was Kevin Fishbane, who covers the Bears for The Athletic, speaking with the scores Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel. This is Score Values on 670 The Score. I'm your host, Adam Staczynski. West Loop Summerfest taking place in the West Loop this weekend is raising money for Haymarket Center, which provides comprehensive substance use and mental health treatment in Chicago. I spoke with Sarah English, who is VP of Development at Haymarket Center, about West Loop Summerfest and what Haymarket Center does for the community. Sarah, thanks so much for being with us this morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. And we're here, of course, to talk about West Loop Summerfest, which is taking place this weekend, and the funds being raised are going towards Haymarket Center. So uh, let's just start there. Sarah, what is Haymarket Center for those that don't know? Well, Haymarket Center is the Chicago area's largest and most comprehensive substance use treatment provider. Um, We provide an array of services from detox through residential treatment and recovery homes right here in the West Loop of Chicago. We've been here for 47 years um, when our founder used to actually walk the streets in the West Loop back when it was Skid Row, um, bringing men off the street to sober up overnight. So it's grown from that into this comprehensive um, services that we treat 12,000 individuals a a year. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's. And so it primarily serves, I'm guessing, for the the west side, it sounds like? We serve all of Chicago and have a lot of different partnerships um, to bring people in. So we have partnerships with various criminal justice systems and nonprofit providers. Uh, We have people come as far as um, all over the state, actually, but mostly Chicago's south and west side. And let's go ahead and talk a little bit about West Loop Summerfest, which got going yesterday, Saturday, and and 
also is taking place today on Sunday. So uh, just tell us a little bit about, about what all is going on for West Loop Summerfest. Absolutely. So West Loop Summerfest is an event we've had for many, many years that started as a birthday celebration for our founder, Father Mac, um, and it has evolved into a two-day street fest with food, beverages, live entertainment. Um, the one thing that we really wanted to bring forward is the family-friendly atmosphere, which was really the basis of the event uh, when Father Max started it. Is you know, We really want to bring the community together and introduce them to Haymarket. So we have a lot of inflatables for kids and a dog parade today at 1 p.m. And it's a, just a suggested donation to, to, to get into the festival, correct? That's correct. It's a $10 suggested donation, and all funds raised will help provide access to treatment for our patients. Um, one thing we, I haven't mentioned is most of our patients have experienced homelessness, so about 70% come to us and really have nowhere else to turn. Um, so our funding model is really based on government grants and contracts and private support to provide care to individuals who otherwise wouldn't be able to get treatment. And so a little bit more now about Haymarket Center. And there's something that I I think, in, well, I don't just think, like I know that there's a there is not just in Chicago, I mean, really throughout the entire country, there's a gap in, in, in mental health treatment. So what is Haymarket doing to, to help fill that gap and provide better, ment- better access to mental health services in the community? Well, we are one of really the only providers in Chicago that provides access to care regardless of ability to pay. Um, and so that's really our model is providing 24-7 access to anybody who needs treatment. So people can come anytime, day or night, to our front doors to receive care. Um, we go beyond just substance use treatment to really provide a combination of primary health care mental health treatment and substance use treatment because we believe that those things must be treated simultaneously in mm-hmm. order to support long-term recovery. How do people get involved with the organization if they want to volunteer, say, with Haymarket Center? There are lots of ways to get involved, and we always welcome volunteers. Um, one of the ways is our events. For example, we have 30 volunteers coming out for West Loop Fest. Mm. tomorrow that you know the event wouldn't be possible without it's it's a long event it's 20 hours so we need um all the help we can get there and we also have a couple of other events throughout the year that we need support with um individuals who are interested in volunteering can reach out to me um at s at hcenter.org we also have um opportunities for people with specialized interests and skills to volunteer for example we currently have a volunteer that's providing art therapy for uh, our women who have co-occurring mental health and substance use disorders we had a volunteer that was providing yoga and we always have openings for individuals who want to lead um, some of our, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or mm-hmm. NA meetings as well. I'm curious also about, you know, getting more specific to the kinds of services that Haymarket Center provides about, say, like ongoing treatment, because, you know, so many of these people, uh, so many people who access these services, it's not just something that they need to go to once and they're, and they're better. So when it comes to Haymarket Center, 
an ongoing treatment. I'm, I'm wondering how, how you go about making sure that, I, I guess, just seeing people all the way through and making sure that they're, you know, it's there's so many people that do, you know, in the instance of drugs like relapse, say, but how do you provide those ongoing services to, to make sure they still have access even after they've left and, and maybe they need to come back? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, recovery is a lifelong journey and something that individuals will struggle with for a while. And, you know, we're here for whenever people need us. Um, as far as what we do for long-term support, we do offer recovery support services for our patients. Uh, so once they complete residential treatment, they can live in our recovery homes and receive wraparound services like job training and placement um, and help with finding permanent housing. Um, We actually have a program called recovery coaching in which we have individuals that are matched with patients on the first day of treatment that meet with them um, throughout their first year of recovery to be able to provide that one-on-one support. It's more frequent at the beginning of uh, treatment. And then as we get closer to the year, um, it's, they meet less frequently, but they're able to have those conversations with individuals and see where they are with uh, their recovery and make sure that they're following their their path and attending their meetings and they have the support um, and that they're moving forward in that journey. And if there is any sort of uh, threat or relapse, then um, they they can bring them and recommend them to come back into treatment here at Haymarket. But it's, it's a really unique model that we um, think really works, and it's something that the state is also recognizing as something that helps them cut down on mm-hmm. expenses, obviously, because people are cycling less through treatment when they have that ongoing support. USC Discord Values here on 670 Discord. We're speaking with Sarah English. She is VP of Development at Haymarket Center. Haymarket Center has a fundraiser this week in West Loop, West Loop Summer Fest. It concludes today. And so, Sarah, the, the last thing I really want to to ask you is about your the capacity of Haymarket Center, because when I've spoken to in, in the past mental places that provide mental health care or substance abuse, substance abuse recovery, they always seem to have an issue with capacity and maybe they're not able to serve everyone that they could. And, and you mentioned earlier you you serve 12,000 people a year. So I'm curious if you ever have issues with, I I guess for lack of a better way of putting it, of having to turn people away because you just don't have enough room, for instance. We do not. And that's something that um, we believe very strongly. If somebody shows up on our doorstep, we are going to make it work. We're going to get them in here Mm -hmm. and they're going to get the treatment that they need. Um, We don't have a wait list because if somebody needs support, and they're coming to us, they need support now. Um, so we don't believe in making people wait for treatment, and we accept people uh, you know, whenever. So, no, we don't necessarily have mm-hmm. uh, issues with capacity. We, we figure out a way around that. That's great. And, and then I, the, the last thing I, I want to make sure that you're able to put out there, if somebody is hears this and is listening and, and, and feels like they need to access your services or know someone who they, they believe should what is what how do they go about getting themselves in or 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 their loved one or their friend whoever involved the, we do have a number that individuals can call to connect directly to our intake department and that's 312 can help 
Um, we also accept walk-ins, so they can, anybody that's interested and willing to come into treatment can just show up at our doorstep at uh, 120 North Sangamon any time of day or night, and they'll be welcomed in. Sarah, that's all I have to ask you. you know, this sounds like such a great organization. I, I hope this weekend is a success for you guys. Is there anything else that you want to add? Um, thank you for asking that. I think one important thing to note is that treatment really does work and recovery is possible. And I had a great conversation with a patient yesterday who came to us in 2018. Um, he came on a Saturday and was connected through an outreach worker. At the time, he was experiencing homelessness and um, was using crystal meth. Uh, but he wanted treatment. So he came to us, went through all of the different steps and um, was able to be connected to a job and housing. And when I talked to him just the other day, he was walking to work at the same job. So he's been there for four years now um, where he's actually um, working as a trainer for the staff. So uh, we see miracles happen every day, and it's really just amazing to uh, hear these stories and talk to our patients and see and hear what a difference Haymarket has made in their lives. That, that's excellent, and I'm sure that's just sounds like it's just one example of a success story that 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 you guys have had. So again, Sarah, thanks so much for talking with us today. That was Sarah English, Vice President of Development at Haymarket Center. And that is it for this week's edition of Score Values on 670 The Score. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future edition of the show, or if you'd like to share information about an upcoming charitable event, send us an email at scorevalues670 at gmail.com. That's scorevalues670 at gmail.com. I'm Adam Staczynski. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Score Values on 670 The Score.